0: mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member fdse U-2-B-R, U-2-B-R, U-2-B-R,
1: U-2-B-R,
0: U-2-B-R, U-2-B-R, U-2-B-R. hello welcome to to be a terrier Stephen chicken joined this time by david hartrick how are you doing david
1: well i'm a bit hurt steve if i'm honest i go away on holiday Oh no, I'd never replace you. I'd never get anyone in, I promise. Definitely not. The ones I did on my own over the summer, they were different, honestly. And then lo and behold, tune in last week just to just to see if you've done anything, just to see if you filled that gap and you, you I see you got a new co host now. You got a new friend, have you?
0: Yeah, I like American things now, like Dr. Pepper.
1: Hmm. Does he hold you like I do? <laughs>
0: I can't possibly go into that. That's uh, purely off-record stuff, as you well know. Um, yeah, we've had a couple of games. In fact, we've had three games, really, Dave. Um, mm. And we'll we'll focus on the Leicester game, because obviously that's the most recent one. But we have had three games that we've not really covered on the podcast. Town have lost 3-1 away to Plymouth. They've lost 3-2 in the Carabao Cup. To Middlesbrough, again, probably best summed up by <laughs> in the post match press conference I said to uh, Neil at commiserations, and he went, "Oh what for <laughs> 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 um and then obviously, at the weekend, one nil defeat at home to Leicester City, so three defeats to start the season. Where are you on your journey towards the panic station david
1: um uh, I think. We, I, sp- I spoke in the pre-season pods about how tough I think this first run of fixtures is um, and I think it's proved that way I thought Plymouth are going to be a good side this season they're going to be competitive and I did say that I th- I thought playing them on the opening day was an absolute hospital pass of a fixture the Borough game is the Borough game not too worried about that No you know, Second really cares straight. And the Leicester game, which we'll get into, I th- I thought they played well, but I thought there were a few interesting things, and I thought it kind of showed where their problems are this mm-hmm. season. In that, you know, I it, it was a good game, a lot of back and forth. Uh, right, I think soon. it's, <laughs> I think um, it's it's fair to say Town did try and leave a glove on them you know it, it wasn't it wasn't a passive performance or anything like that but just that little bit of quality not there just that passing eight not being in the side uh, not being clinical enough is the it's the thing that costs them and i'm not i'm certainly not panicking but i think that over the next couple of games like it doesn't really matter how they play you know, you you can we can come yeah. away like the Leicester game saying, oh, they played really really well. But even though they've got, I'd say three tough opponents in a row still to play, they've got to get something out of at least one of those games. Doesn't matter whether they play good, bad, or indifferent, but they need to get a point on the board. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not panicking yet. I think the fixtures, I think the fixture computer is is has been their main source of an issue so far. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 get into it. We'll get into it. Where are you?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I sort of I'm definitely more upbeat <laughs> than the fans. I think, and it's not like I'm sitting here thinking, town are going to finish fourth this season. But um, I don't know. I think Plymouth obviously was a nightmare of a day. They actually played well for eighty minutes and were absolutely horrendous when it counted um the three goals they conceded were really cheap I'm I still Yet to see the offside for the third one. But uh, admittedly, I've not gone back specifically to look for it because it's kind of immaterial at this point. Obviously, the defending on the goals was awful. They missed three really, really good chances. Neil it pulled me up on uh, on saying that Danny Ward was one of those missed chances because, to be fair, Wardy does well to get any shot off there. And there's not really anywhere else he can put it. It's a decent save. But the other three chances, um, all... Feasibly could have gone in the net, um, and it's hard to defend them. You can't sit there and say, "Oh, but they were good for the other eighty minutes." When the the other ten, they've been so shockingly bad. I didn't think the the Middlesbrough game, as you say, you can't read anything into it. If anything, I think a, much like Leicester, they were probably more positives than negatives, considering they played their second string. Middlesbrough played most of their starting lineup, certainly half of their starting lineup started that game, and Town played ten men for seventy seven minutes um and and still i think as someone said to me i think melby said it to me at half time if you'd come in halfway through the first half you wouldn't have known that Town were playing with ten men no. um so obviously second half it was a different story they kind of got dominated and then carl Hudlin um bundled home a goal that made the scoreline more respectable but again it was, it was second string playing not reading anything into that and then Leicester actually I really really enjoyed that game first and foremost which I know not everyone did I think everyone obviously you want to see your team win um, I thought it was a cracking game I thought it was a shame that it was settled even the neutrals sort of in the press box and I think even one or two of the Leicester people were like it's a shame it was settled by a goalkeeping error rather than sort of a moment of quality from either side but it, I'm not being disingenuous when I say it felt like if that goalkeeping error had gone you know the other way and Leicester had conceded a goal like that I feel like the town fans would be uh, talking about that victory <laughs> the same way that you might have talked about beating Fulham or Brentford in in previous seasons I, I thought it was sort of approaching that level of of performance and they were a bit unlucky to come away empty handed on the day admittedly Leicester weren't you know amazing um but we know they're a good team so even Leicester on a an average day is going to be pretty formidable, but as you say, the intent was there. They certainly created chances. Mahal Helic wasted the best chance of the, the whole game, mm. really. Mm. Um, but I don't think either side created a huge number of clear-cut chances, and it felt like Town got into the better positions to do that, but they didn't have a Lauren Hemp to play that, that final ball. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, Diara was... The player who kept getting into good positions, and he, yeah. you know, he took the shot second half, which I thought was it was a was a sharp sharp chance, but he very very nearly snuck it in. But I just from my point of view, I think that the Leicester game they played Leicester at, if they played Plymouth at the wrong time, they were playing Leicester at the right time mm-hmm. because that Leicester team are completely shifting the way they play. Um, they've got a lot of new personnel and um I wouldn't for by any stretch say they were there for the taking but i thought what what town did was good but at the same time these this isn't pre-season now these these yeah. games do yeah. count and the one thing we both said um going even right the way back to the 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 live show at magic rock One of the things we said is they cannot afford to give everybody else too big a head start this season. They can't do it because it's a more competitive league. You know, you've already seen Ipswich are top, Plymouth are highly competitive, Sheffield Wednesday are a bit of a basket case, but they are recruiting at a rate of knots. I've no idea what their team's going to look like in a month or so. You know, the the town can't afford to, to get cut off at any point. You know, so mm. as, as positive as I thought the performance was, and we'll go into a few things. And I thought there was a few interesting things to analyse. Yeah, I am at the point where I think, OK, I'm not as down as I think some of the fans are either, if I'm honest. I think a little bit of recruitment, it could help, Um But yeah, they've got got to get something on the board as as quickly as they possibly can. There's something tactically I want to get off my chest, Steve. So as we go into the Leicester game, can I get that off my chest straight away?
0: Let's, Let's do it now.
1: Well, I keep seeing town teams laid out in various formations, and I've got to the point where... As the bloke who has to do that before kickoff for it then to go to all the betting apps and score apps and what have you, I can make a best guess of it, and I will do, and that's my job. But Towns Formation, they don't really have a... Anybody who says, oh, you know, they played in a 4-2-3-1, like, it's just... I think Town are becoming so good... At being fluid, so that that four at the back immediately becomes a five when Hog jobs in, it becomes a three when Hog drops in, and the the wing backs push up, the full backs become wing backs and push up. That sort of DR in that role as a ten sometimes pops up in positions a six takes up, and I just think that one of my main points of positivity going forward is that I still think off the ball. Part of this, you know, you can you can lay down. Out, however, you want to lay them out, but their formation will not fit into any of the. It won't fit into any of the boxes because that's where they play. I think one of the reasons not quite as now is because they are still excellent off the ball. Mm. They still transition and and move into different shapes really really well, and I think that it like obviously it's it's a small it's a small thing to grasp at when you've no points on the board. But I think if you look at that level of organisation and if you could throw a little bit more quality in there in a couple of key positions, that will go a long way towards turning... Performances that I think me and you have thought ha- there has been promising into into points because not every team can transition like t- uh, like Town do. Not every team can sort of line up at kickoff in a four-two-three-one, but then immediately go into a three-five-two to go into sometimes almost a three-six-one to mm. be able to adapt and go into a four-four-two in or out of possession. They're really really good at understanding what triggers a press in different areas of the pitch. So. That level of organisation, I still see, and I still think that is the that is the thing to grasp glass, grasp onto going forward in terms of hope. The only thing is, by my own admission, it's it's not very sexy, is it, Steve? No, it's, not it's sexy not. to talk to. The,
0: the the goals they've conceded have all been individual errors, really. Um, yeah, certainly in the league. You know, I think it was Helic and Helic and Nichols, and a little bit Romani Edmonds Green for the first one against Plymouth. It was Romani Edmonds Green and Sorba Thomas for the second. It was a little bit Josh Cromer and and Edmonds Green again for the third. Um, a little bit Helic, and then obviously against Leicester, it's um, unfortunately it's, it's Lee Nichols again. Um, slightly jittery start to the season, but we had this last year from Lee Nichols as well, weirdly, where he made a couple of couple, a couple of goals went past him that. You wouldn't expect to go past Lee Nichols, and then afterwards he was fine. It's it's two and two for him because he didn't play against Middlesbrough. But if you get a back anyone to bounce back, it'd be be him, wouldn't yeah. it? Probably no concern yeah. about him at the moment.
1: No, none at all. None at all. I've, I know there's there are one or two transfer rumours with with Luton and other clubs looking at him. I don't even think there's anything uh, in his mind. It's not like he's distracted. I think exactly like you said. He, last season he needed a little bit of a run up. And this season, I think he's just having his little bit of a run up, and he'll be mm. absolutely fine going forward because he's still just as positive coming for the ball. Yeah. He's still got, you know, we've we've seen Brian Schofield, for example, who when he had his wobble, the first thing that happens is he just stopped coming for crosses, and there's none of that from Nichols. He's still backing himself every time. And to be honest with you, I've seen this goal, I've watched this goal back a lot, and. It's one of them where I think we have to say it's a goalkeeping error because of the way it goes in. Yeah. But it's a good finish as well because he drills it very, very hard and low from not very far out. And if you save that, you're running on, on muscle memory. It's not one you can sort of plan and prepare for, really. You can only get your body shape right and then do something on instinct. So I don't... I don't think... It's not like we're talking about a massive glaring error, is Yeah, he's error, not dropped
0: it? it, no. No. It's just the fact that it's straight at him and normally I think he's set such a high bar for himself you would ex- expect him to, to keep those out. But I, th- I think you're right, sort of... Tactically, I mean, we saw Mihal Alec was stepping out into midfield quite yeah. a lot the other day, um, chasing his man. They're doing the man-marking thing, but I think a bit more selectively with the man-marking. It's not sort of all 11 players have got their own man to look after, I think. Mm. Um, or if they do, then they're they're sticking to them with certain different degrees. And One of the things, uh, you know, the, the player who made the most tackles on the pitch, joint top with Jonathan Hogg, was Josh Karoma which you know I think we highlighted it a couple of times last season as well but to see him putting in that level of work rate off the ball and he got the fans up a couple of times got them on their feet sort of cheering by making tackles which you know I don't think any of us would have expected from Josh Gromer uh six months ago let alone before then so um yeah I agree that that's all positive but as you say no points on the board yet out of the cup um there isn't. I think you and I both quite like the first eleven in general, um, but I think we'd agree, and I think Neil Warnock would even admit um, that possibly when you get down to subs five, six, seven, eight, nine, it's it's looking a bit thin. But I think we've been saying that for a long time. You know, the, the fans have been saying it for a long time, and um, yeah, I don't think anyone would would disagree with that. Hopefully, the the signings on the horizon. We've only got a couple more weeks left in the transfer window and some of you may have seen, there's a name already out there. Um, we'll see what happens with that one um, for this week. But um, yeah, they, they need... I mean, everyone's talking about the striker. I think you and I would agree, certainly on the basis of the, the Leicester performance. Obviously, the finishing was an was issue against Plymouth, not from Danny Ward, actually, but from other players. But certainly against Leicester the issue was more the lack of a midfielder wasn't it
1: it was it's that it's that high quality eight that sits in there and can can pick a pick a lock really um and just really find those holes and those angles that other people can't I, i i think that's what that's this squad is missing i i think like recruitment wise there there is a name out there you know let's not run from it delano bergsorg who Delano Bergsocker is up there with Tempest Fugit and Fearful Symmetry is my favourite X Files episode. Um he he's coming in and he looks like he, he could play wide, could play through the middle, he may help. I think there'll probably be at least at least one more come in, I would have thought, before the end of the window. And certainly Kevin Nagel I think is quite hopeful. Certainly he tweeted the other day that, you know, looking for signings hopefully something happening this week I just think they're not a million miles away, I think the organisation stands them in really good stead but what they need is a. there's no denying they need what they had at the end of last season, which is they had all that organisation but they had Josh Karoma come in and give him a bit of X Factor, for example they had Jack Radona give him a little bit of X Factor out of nowhere and that that is what this side needs now, I think. If you're going to run in a home game, as Town did with sort of 30% possession or less, I, I, I don't know what it was, but that's just a guess. And that was kind of by design against a Leicester side who you know are going to dominate the ball. You really have to use it really, really well when you have it. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to be so clinical and you've got to make the right decisions. And I just think a really. A really good eight who can pick those passes and really make the most of the possession you have is the sort of difference maker. More, it's all right people turning on Danny Ward and having to go at Danny Ward because he's in the striking position. But we're back in that point where he gets so few chances again that every single one becomes absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. And what I'd like to see is Town actually generating more chances take Danny Ward out of the equation, put who you want up there, put uh, put Mikael Helic up there if you want, but I just want to see them generate some more chances because they've got Thomas Caroma and Diara who all get in really good positions, Steve, and they're Mm. still getting in good positions but it just kind of needs that that link, doesn't it? It needs that just extra something just to knit it together and turn it into balls cut back from the byline or late runs into the box, etc. So, yeah, not not a million miles off.
0: They're very good at carrying the ball. <laughs> yeah. I think you would say, you know, between sort of... I know Hedley was suspended, but between sort of Hedley, Radoni, Diara, Thomas, Karoma, they've got a lot of players who are very good at driving the ball forward. Kasumu as well. I don't think you'd particularly pick out any of them as being the man you want playing the final ball. I think they would like they would like that to be... Sorber Thomas, but he's adapting his game at the moment as well. Whatever you think of Silver Thomas, you know, he's he's told us in the summer, Neil Warnock wants him coming inside more often rather than going outside and I think, I thought he was good against Leicester actually, but I think you can see in certain moments that that is not entirely within his nature. Like, he's it's it's almost like he's taking a moment to go, oh no, I'm not going outside, I'm coming inside now. Um, and that's going to take a bit of, of time, but yeah, they can't just they can't just dribble past everyone, and you do need that player to. And you know this uh, Bergsall, looking at the clips and looking at the stats for him, is another player in that mould. In fact, even more so. <laughs> he loves to dribble at people. I mean, his passing stats are, are good. Actually, they're they're better than um, better than a Josh Garoma say, um, and better than a Danny Ward. He's he's scored once every four games or thereabouts. Um, even though he's he's played mostly out wide, which again is pretty comparable to to Josh Caroma. Um so we'll, we'll see what what happens with with him. But yeah, I think obviously that centre forward would help. I think there were times, and and I, I'm not totally on the it's all Danny Ward's fault train like a lot of fans seem to be, but uh, much as Neil Warnock may not think so, but. Um, <laughs> um, I think there were times, to be fair, in that game against Leicester where Danny Ward was making sort of dummy runs to make space for others where where you sort of think, I kind of want you to make that run actually, Danny. I will say on Bergsog, I I do quite like the look of him. I think from looking at the stats in a few clips, he's basically sort of another Josh Garoma who is a bit better at running at people. I think he sometimes makes things difficult for himself, but you, you know you would expect him to score goals. And bear in mind that spent almost his whole career playing top-flight football, so we'll see how it goes. But when I say, just to say, when I say a goal every four games, I mean a quarter of a goal every 90 minutes would be a, a more accurate way of putting it. I do think it sort of depends... Where they intend to play him because I think, yeah. as I yeah. say, he spent most of his time playing wide. I don't know if they might see him playing as a centre forward because he has played as a centre forward as well. It's difficult to judge him as a nine when we've barely seen him play there and and what he could do there isn't really reflected in his stance as a result. But what I would say is, you know, we talk about wanting to see Danny Ward make some of those runs for himself. I think that's definitely something Bergsog will be looking to do. He's He looks quick you know he's he's a big lad but he looks quick and he he likes to get in behind he likes to run at people so at the very least there will be something different for town which i think is you know we've been arguing is, is exactly what they needed
1: yeah 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 that's exactly it and i think i think if you have you see the thing is that diara gives you certain things at 10 but what he doesn't give you is that sort of high class movement of a right this is a stupid comparison please note this is not a direct comparison but he's not attending the sort of David Silver mold where Mm -hmm. you know he's drawing defenders out and like you say he's he's creating pockets of space where you want your striker you want your your Aguero your Danny Ward to run into I will say it's not like Neil Warnock to uh, defend Danny Ward but there you go Um, and I just think if you had Potentially have that eight, who's a bit of a hybrid and can drop into those attacking spaces again. You see, I quite like Diarra as a ten, but he's kind of a ten in the press and yeah. to Harry and an eight on the defenders. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I at the moment, I feel like I feel like defensively, Town are pretty well set. I don't think we've got any concerns there. I think the midfielders we've got, part of the problem is we know almost too much about all of them. And if we know too much about about all of them, then I can guarantee you opposition analysts can. I think Coroma has not got up to speed this season at all yet. I don't think he's, he's anywhere near where he was last season yet. But I think there are positive signs. You know, this isn't the... This isn't the Josh Karoma who was just snatching at every shot or getting really no. frustrated. I think he's just adapting his role. Thomas is, direct, is adapting his role. But then you've got the two in the middle. where You've got Ward, who we need to create more chances for, and you've got Diara, who's very, very good at like really specific jobs. D- and d- I think, you know, do we need a bit more of everything else mm-hmm.
0: there? You and I watch quite a bit of Brema Diarra for the B team over the past couple yeah. of years, and the comment we always make with him is, "You want he was doing for them what he is now doing in the championship, which is he could dribble past two thirds of the other players on the pitch and and get in get to the edge of the box, but then you want him giving it to someone else because because yeah. <laughs> he's not he's shooting his poor. Let's be honest, mm. and yeah. and his final ball is erratic, shall we say? Um, and you know he can develop that, that uh, you know he's not there yet, but then." as I say you look at that squad and you think well who is he giving it to that is going to have that final ball and you know that's never been Rodoni's game either uh, no. again I think I think I could see him developing towards that but you know I know he got eight assists for Wimbledon a couple of years ago but I think a lot of them were cutbacks in the byline if you're talking about cutbacks in the byline Pat Jones is your man actually, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Um, but we know yeah. that he's not going to be you know he's, he's still only at a stage where he's coming off the bench I think he's looked sharp From the bench, um, Pat Sharp, you might call him.
1: (laughs) I think, uh, interestingly, that leads on to a point I wanted to make. In that, I think there was Neil Warnock has been in the management game a long time, Steve, and I think he's very aware of the situation Town are in at the moment. He was very aware of the situation Town had coming into this season with a new owner. But I think <laughs> I think it would be fair to say, being slightly delicate, that having a nine-man bench. And five men to bring on, yeah. and only bringing two men on in one substitution in a ninety-minute game against the top of the table is sending a little bit of a message, just a little bit of an old-school nudge that perhaps we need a little bit more. Hence the reason I think we're we're kind of expecting Burgosol to get over the line, and we kind of maybe we think there are other things going on as well.
0: But they're talking about two or three signings, and that would be. I, I think would be two players for the forward line and I would have said one of them would be a Berg's up who can who can play mm. anywhere. I think you might see a more old school centre forward for the other one. As I guess and by the way, this isn't insider info on this, uh on the, the second well, striker it is, signing.
1: It, it, it is inside info, but it's inside info into mine and your WhatsApp chat. <laughs> Where we were both saying that the the archetype we don't yeah. see is the Martin Waghorn bully type. Yeah. last 20 minutes because I I think I was looking at that bench and I was when I was watching the game I was thinking how would you change it and he bought Jones and Harrett on which I think were perfectly valid substitutions and I think probably the subs I'd have made but I think I'd have probably had Ruffles off and had Uter on even just for 15-20 yeah. minutes I think I may have even I think I probably would have hooked Jonathan Hogg bear in mind he's he's coming back we need to wrap him in in cottonwall a little bit and i think you had options there maybe reg was the one you'd bring on there um so yeah so i just felt there was a little bit of a message in that if i'm honest but that's just a very old school management thing Mm. to do i i think that the the only other thing i've really got to add from that game is that i think if town play like that in other games they will win but it's worth also saying that if Town play that that in other games, they'll still lose them as well because that that they've they've got to be more ruthless. They've got to be more ruthless with the pass more than anything else. It's not even the finish for me. It's more ruthless with the pass. Take yeah. that clinical pass early, and like <laughs> take risks, Steve. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I know think this they're is, trying to to be fair to them. They're, they're try they are trying to, but there's also. <sighs> you could sort of see them shrink back into their shells a little bit. And I know that's natural when you're against a team that are dominating the ball a little bit, but they've kind of got to get over that because I think they're going to play without the ball a lot this season, Steve. You know, I I don't think they're just going to go that way against Leicester or potentially against Norwich next, you know. So, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of, I think on the panic scale, I'm still firmly in the middle at the minute, you know. I don't see any reason to be either side of it.
0: I think Warren pretty well nailed it when he said he'd he'd like to get a crap win against Middlesbrough. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's spot on because I think you can you can look at performances all you like but obviously you need points on the board at some point and as you say the fixtures aren't really getting easier over the next couple. So yeah. I think it's almost having had that losing start and we'll put the cup to one side but even say losing the first two games it's almost and and not getting easier i think it's almost just get something um from the next you know they need probably four points in the next three games for and then they can start worrying about performances again and prioritizing yeah. that but I, I i agree that just to for their own confidence, as much as anything, and to sort of re-energise the fans a little bit, need you those want, points above yeah, us.
1: You want you want players to believe in the system, and the thing is, as as much as I'm praising them for all the work they're doing off the ball, and they finished, you know, I said it in the other pod, they finished last season the best team in that league off the ball, and I think there's a chance they may end up being the best team in the league off the ball this season, but that that level of belief they had at the end of last season because it was backed up with points <laughs> and the problem is like the longer you go on without getting points it just erodes away uh, your faith and your confidence in it so even a scruffy point against Middlesbrough just so they're not sat on a goose egg that, that would be big for me just get anything you can and then you've got a little bit of a platform to go on but what we really don't want to see is is you know not after Middlesbrough and then not after Norwich and not after West Brom potentially because then I do think they've got a major problem.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's sort of, I think this result, the Leicester result is, is kind of a bit wait and see because, the game I sort of compared it to was, that game against West Brom last season where they went and and played well and they lost one 0 because of matty pearson giving away that penalty um and it was like at the time it was like ah, oh, yeah but the the you know coming away with that result doesn't mean anything because they're in the relegation zone and then it was sort of there after that that things did turn around and it was that performance in hindsight was like actually they were they were on their way because it was the next game against norwich where we would properly call it the turning point um, where they got the one-all draw against Norwich from behind, um, that came just a few days after that West Brom game, and it, I sort of not to say we're at a similar point because obviously it's not March, we've not got sort of twelve games left, but I think in terms of assessing the performance, we kind of have to wait because I think. <sighs> We've definitely had periods before covering town where they've actually been playing all right and the results haven't been there. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that only goes so far. And let's be honest, the playoff season a couple of years ago, there were plenty of times so where it's like they're not actually playing brilliant, but they're getting the results. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd much rather have one than the other.
1: Yeah, I, like that playoff season was built on control. And the thing is...
0: Yeah, they this don't is have a control ve- this,
1: at the moment. Yeah, it's a very... If if you're going to be a team that plays a lot without the ball, then you you have to see control a lot of the time. So it's a very different, it's a very different thing. But you i,
0: I just—it's funny because you spent ages going town, don't to play on adrenaline enough, mm, <laughs> and now almost your complaint is they only they can only play on adrenaline at the moment. It, they need more control.
1: Yeah, it, the, but the thing is, that you've got to marry that adrenaline to a yeah, bit of quality, exactly. and at the yeah, moment. Exactly. It it's all feels very rushed, and it all feels. Uh, when we talk about town chances this season, I'd say almost as a whole, we keep talking about snapshots and half chances and yeah. all, crosses that almost reach their man. yeah And I think I would just feel slightly higher on the panic scale in terms of being out of it if I was sitting here going, well you know, if Danny Ward scores that chance, those two chances against Plymouth, or if, or Thomas scores those two against Leicester, or, you know, they, they, they went down to 10 against Borough, but it was like the Alamo, they were peppering him, another night goes in, I think I'd feel a bit better, but I still just feel like, you can't, you can't build your season, on the premise that you're basically going to have to take, one of every two chances you create, because it's just not enough, <laughs> you know, it just, it's unsustainable Steve, so we, we shall see, we shall see. I think the next game, without, um, <laughs> without attaching undue importance to it, I think the next game is actually quite big, if I'm honest. I think we're only three games in, but uh, getting something from that game really could be a bit of a boon in terms of putting all fears to bed and just going forward, no problem, and having that safe mid-table season we're
0: desperate for. I think it's definitely important for the mood because I think we noted last time there's quite a lot of pessimism among the fans that um, I don't particularly share. I, I can sort of understand where it comes from, but I had I to know if I'm totally on board with it even even after the losing start. But I think it becomes very difficult for, for even me to argue against that if they lose on Saturday. And it does feel like a... A bit of a pivotal game for that. I don't think it's like win and no one's got any problems for the rest of the season. That's not how it works. But I do think it's kind of a bit of a all hell breaking loose if they don't win, unfortunately. Mm. Mm.
1: That's it. I think think the problem is no matter how well they play, if they play really, really well and lose, there's no way you can defend played three, lost three, technically played four, lost four at that point without... Uh, and keep a straight face. And the thing is, the Leicester game here. I can see. I don't know what's going to happen against Norwich because Norwich are a funny side.
0: And and close right your.
1: And yeah, but this is what I'm saying. But when we get to Norwich, close your ears, Town fans. I'm not as big a Wagner believer as most of you are. I they're a bit of a funny side. <sighs> what I can see is if you don't get anything out of Borough. I can basically see the Leicester game being replayed at Norwich, which is where Town play like this, have some control off the ball, stay tight control spaces, lose 1-0 or 2-0, you know. So, yeah, it feels it feels a big couple of games and it's just... I still maintain that, that, that Town's biggest single problem this season so far is the fixture computer and I think if they can... As long as they come out of this mini spell and go into that run of fixtures where they've got a little bit more chance of going on a run without starting and with a goose egg. You know, they need to have something on the board points wise, then they should be alright. But yeah, it does feel a bigger game than I thought it would be. And Borough have recruited a couple, haven't they? I saw they've got they'd they signed a couple
0: yesterday. A I forward think. and a defender, yeah. I mean they've had Quite an unconvincing start to the season, let's be mm. honest, Borough. You know they've they've lost their two opening league games, and I'd say they made very hard work of of beating Town second string with ten men. <laughs> mm. So um, they are in a similar boat, I think. Middlesbrough and probably even more so because obviously their fans will have had much higher expectations for this season after reaching the playoffs. Yeah, um, you know and being touted by a lot of people as being one of the favourites of promotion.
1: I think it suits. I th- the one thing I would say, I think it really suits Town being away for this game. I think being able to sort of... (laughs) They've almost played like the away side anyway in two out of the three games. So now they can legitimately play like the away side and I just think it probably serves them better. So, yeah, the one thing I would say, it's been a really interesting start to the season. You know, it's, it's... I think play three, loss three doesn't tell half the story, really. There's been a lot to... Lot to analyse, lots to lots to look at, and again, it's that classic thing of Neil Warnock. It, it likes to say he's a luddite, and <laughs> you know, it keeps things simple. But in fact, they're they're in incredibly complex side to analyse, Town, and that organisation off the ball, as I keep saying, I think will take them far enough to to hopefully get them into mid table but we'll see we'll see i do i do without beating the same drum i do think that recruitment is is key really
0: yeah we'll see what what the the rest of the week brings ah uh, i've just had a press release drop in my inbox don't worry it's not a signing um, but town are launching um uh walk for pounds for this year um, is is going to be an aid of Marcus Stewart, um, who was diagnosed with, with motor neuron disease last year. Or rather for the Derby Rimmer Foundation, which is... A charity that that Marcus Stewart and his family have been raising funds for since his diagnosis. Um, So they're doing a walk on Saturday the 30th of September um, before the game against Ipswich. Um, So the walk will start and end at the John Smith Stadium. There's an 18-mile route and a 4-mile route. Um, So if you want to get involved in that, um, it's £25 registration for the longer walk and £15 registration for the shorter walk and... Uh, obviously, they're asking for minimum sponsorship as well. Um, but if you go to htfc.com, uh, all the details are there. Obviously, uh, a, a really, really good cause. Uh, I encourage you all to join in on. Uh, Dave, do you, Oh, and we should mention as well, Town Women. Uh, their season starts this weekend. Um, they are taking on AFC filed. They're playing at, at home, uh, which is Shelley FC, the Stafflex Arena. Um, keep an eye on their social media channels for the exact kick-off time because they did warn me if England would reach the World Cup final. Yeah. And uh, they're now moving. In fact, they have announced it literally two minutes ago. That game's now going to be a four o'clock kickoff at the Staff Flex Arena. Um, so, free entry for uh, people aged 16 and under, and I believe it's six pounds entry, uh, standard entry, and four pound for concessions. So, should be a, a, a great occasion. That head down, do a double bill of, of women's football.
1: Yes, definitely. I, uh, me and I want to, I want to plug something if I can, Steve. Yeah. Which it leads nicely on from that actually, and this isn't by design. Steve knows nothing about that. But, Bo's um, my daughter. Her football times have changed so we're hoping to get to some games we're hoping to take the entire squad over there actually for a couple of games so definitely go down and visit that Um, I just wanted to put out I I rarely ask for help but Bose football team were set up last year as a girls football team in the area they had to join a boys league at first which they competed in across the season and it was a very steep learning curve, they did get into a girls league, they came in late they finished uh, as Invincibles and won it at Canter, it was a league that is all across Yorkshire so they were playing in Hull, in Weatherby, all over, really committed set of girls Um, for various reasons the old club has basically um, closed to them essentially um, because they were various reasons around boys football so we've started a, a new club for them this season because they're a really good group called Huddersfield United and this isn't a call for sponsorship it's a call for something weirdly specific we've got some ground in marsh where we want to play but we need to mark out a couple of pitches and if anybody has any experience with marking out pitches because we want to get them marked out sort of perfectly so we can then maintain them ourselves through the season what we don't want (laughs) is a load of curved lines and wobbles so if if there is genuinely anyone out there who could help uh, a, a club trying to i'm on the committee so it's it's me who's been involved so you can get in touch with me direct on twitter or through steve if you email him or whatever that would be a huge help because obviously marking out the pitches is the sort of thing that you want to do it once and do it right so that then we can just paint them through the through the season as it goes on a weirdly specific request steve
0: <laughs> david hartrick going on our podcast looking for white lines yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. what, what's your media recommendation is it grandmaster flash
1: no, it's not. It's not. My um, I've I've just finished uh, an excellent book from Hallucian Publishing called uh, Red Balloons, and it's about it, uh, written by a chap called Liam Walsh. And if I just read you a little bit from the back, um, in January 2020, Liam Walsh's 15-year-old son Patrick went to a football game at Tottenham Hotspur and never came home. He collapsed seeking the last train out of Marylebone and died suddenly, unexpectedly, and still without cause two weeks later Liam's dad with his sense of purpose desperately unravelled gently died too and it goes into the relationship with grief through football basically and how football was the thing that brought them together, how football was the thing that helped him through everything and the sort of restorative power of football it, it's, we we get quite cynical about football Steve I think at, at the highest levels um, and I think it's it's a book that made me made me cry in several places, made me want to ring my dad, made me want to hold my daughter, and it made me want, want to go to a game of football. You know, it's that sort of book. So it's called Red Balloons by Hallucion Publishing, available online by Liam Walsh. Um, okay,
0: strong recommendation. Lovely. That sounds very worthy. Um, it is. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good job that I've not got bloody Star Trek Strange New Worlds this week, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, I am going to go with a TV show though and obviously most of you are on this train already uh, but season 2 of The Bear uh, is is phenomenal uh, I really enjoyed season 1 but 2 is like another level and is almost a different show if you found season 1 of The Bear too stressful and thought I'm not going to go back for more of that um, Dave's putting his hand up um, then I would say go back for 2 because it's it's a different show. They've sort of set up season one so that season two can be something different. And if you finish season one you'll you'll know what I mean. Uh but I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't watched it. It's on Disney Plus. Um and it's a fantastic show. It's not about bears, there's no bears in it. Well, no, there's one bear in it, but it's hallucination. So I was a gonna dream.
1: ruin all that all my worthiness by asking you if the bear won.
0: <laughs> uh the bear well, that's the—that's kind of the question of the show, but no, it's about uh, a chef. Um, and I'm not going to tell you any more than that. You're better off just going in without knowing anything, I would say. Right. Yeah, so it's my philosophy to life, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Right. Have a nice time, everyone. Uh, we'll be back probably next Wednesday, I would imagine, uh, unless you tell me otherwise, Dave.
1: Uh, I'm on holiday next week again.
0: <sighs> Who are you? Mel Booth.
1: Yeah, basically, basically. In fact, why don't you get Melon as my replacement <laughs> if Mister Nagel's not free?
0: Maybe not a bad idea. Cool. See you next time. Goodbye. See you. There.